Welcome to the Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered. Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization, no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Hello, everyone. This is the Audit Room. You can join us live by connecting with Tracy and myself on LinkedIn, where we'll post the, the Zoom link so that you can join us and ask your questions of our guest experts each week. Uh, I am your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell. I'm the founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we help launch internal audit analytics programs and data teams. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt. Hey there, everybody. This is Tracy, your audit communication expert, coming to you this week from Germany. Next week, maybe from Canada. You never quite know. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for all things communication, get in touch for your audit team. And super, super excited today to have Kyle Potts with us. Kyle Kyle Potts with us. Kyle is an expert on so many topics. Um, He's a co-founder at Decise. He's a technical compliance product management technologist, compliance professional, Um, Tons of experience around application development, blockchain, smart contracts, cry penetration testing. I don't even know what that is, Kyle. So you're going to let us know all those things. Ransomware protection. So there are tons and tons of questions I know we're going to get to. But our topic today is, oh my gosh, please explain crypto. So I'm going to hand it to you to say a few words. Welcome to the audit room. Yeah. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Trent. It's my pleasure to be here. I enjoy your guys' show. I joined for the big announcement last week as well, so it's cool oh. you're streaming on, on the, the podcast networks. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, my, my pleasure to be here. Just by way of background, you know, uh, uh, prior to co-founding Decise with my partner, Keela, I was the lead technical and security auditor for a Fortune 100 multinational bank. I'm, I'm trained, I suppose, classically in, in engineering, so I'm a software developer by training. Um, in my kind of worlds intersected in 2018 when I uh, was presented with an opportunity to do my first blockchain audit. And so back in 2018, I was I was a pretty big, I guess maybe, you know, I shouldn't admit that, but probably a pretty big skeptic on blockchain. And um, interestingly, I was working at a firm that was a fast mover. Uh, they had an enterprise-grade, extremely high-scaling deployment of blockchain. And as a like a lead auditor, you know, I found myself in this position to go, okay, we need you to tell us, is it secure? Is it independent? 
does it uh, kind of measure up from blockchain to ledger and ledger to blockchain? And so I got a chance to get really immersed and, um, you know, flash forward four years and uh, my partner and I at Decise really kind of inspired by the idea of creating a safe economy relative to crypto and the blockchain to try to turn the, the potential, the promise of this idea into something that everybody can use and make it just as easy as, you know, your Amazon buy now button. We're a long way from that and we can unpack it, but that's a little bit about me and my background and kind of our mission here at Decise.io. Perfect. Yeah. And let's start unpacking because I think a lot of people are still confused on what, what it is. I know we, we call this explain crypto, but it might make more yeah. sense to start with blockchain. Um, you being the leading expert, I'll let you take it from there. But I would almost phrase it as the question as I've got a four-year-old, explain it to him. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, I think to, to go as simple as we can, you know, crypto and cryptocurrency is based on blockchain technology and blockchain technology is actually like remarkably simple and elegant. And so the idea as simple as we can say it is it's a ledger, it's a log, it's like a notebook. Anything that you write in that notebook can be verified as true. And the way that it's verified as true is through a consensus of everybody else that has a copy of that notebook. All right, so like to, to step it up a, le- a little bit, like most everybody I think at this point is sort of a blockchain is like an immutable, um, persistent, distributed ledger. And really what we mean to make that like a little bit more simple is um, uh, the blockchain is uh, a technology that resides on lots of different computers. Anybody can run it. Trent, you can run it. Tracy, you can run it. I can run it. And then what we do as participants on that blockchain is we verify transactions as being accurate. And the best way that we can do that in a distributed system is like every single block builds on the previous block. And so in order to add something new to the chain of blocks, you need to first verify that the previous block hasn't been altered. And you like repeat that forever all the way to the beginning of the blockchain, which is known as the Genesis block. It's like, oh, Genesis. And um, maybe to walk it back a little bit, of course, Bitcoin was the first like uh, real known. um, uh, It was the first real known blockchain. Now, Bitcoin itself is a cryptocurrency, but it runs on that blockchain. And uh, the inventor gained some notoriety by um, anonymously, pseudonymously at this point publishing his position paper, his or her position paper, I suppose. And then, um, you know, from there, that person released the code as open source. And so you saw a bunch of innovation and derivatives that get created. And that's how we have like Bitcoin and we have Ethereum and we have Litecoin. And we quite literally have thousands of different implementations of the blockchain. But at its essence, it's something that... uh, is validated as accurate by all the participants in the ecosystem. And so if anybody tries to change something that's old, um, it will err. It will spot that kind of kind of issue. And then the use cases for blockchain are infinite. And you know what we've been promised for forever. I mean, I don't think we're I don't think we've realized this, but it's frictionless and it's decentralized and we've cut out the middleman and it's the source of truth. And it absolutely has that kind of potential, but there's still uh, a lot of challenge and innovation that needs to take place in this ecosystem. Perfect. And then what's the, I'm curious, because you said you're at this Fortune 100 uh, huge organization, and even they were forward thinking, I think is what uh, the way you put it. 
And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking as if I'm an auditor working at a community bank or something like that, you know, how much do I really need to know about this? Would you put this almost on like the backlog of emerging risks or even, I might even phrase it as emerging opportunities um, or, or what, like where would their concern and what I would call maybe the more average, not auditor, but the more average situation that we're in where it's like, we're not even looking at this. It's not, it's nowhere, you know, on our uh, roadmap as an organization um, as opposed to you, the organization you were at top uh, fortune 100, that's also forward thinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's a really good question. And I think for auditors, I mean, the strongest case that I would make is, is as follows, Trent, and that's the blockchain will power what's known as web three. And so web three is the idea of anonymous or pseudonymous transactions and a way of interacting on the web that protects consumer privacy. And so I think any auditor that's going to spend time to understand a new and emerging technology that has the potential top end scale of the internet itself, yeah. like your cycles on learning about it are not going to be wasted. Yeah. Now, the, re the reality is how practical, how applicable is it? Um, I think that depends case by case. You know, a community bank, um, uh, actually, I mean, I'll say like a, a good number of community banks are either rolling out their own coins or they have um, uh, clients that are using crypto. It's a part of their portfolio. So obviously as an optimist, I'm gonna say, it's gonna be time well spent, but I think you just gotta balance that on the practicality of your own personalized learning journey. If you've got something more urgent, you know, I've got investment risk, okay. You're in a bank, you should probably prioritize that a yeah. little more, but I just think in the long game, if auditors can get in the habit of understanding technology trends, how they may implicate, you know, what the implications may be for the business, it's going to be a good investment to understand these fundamentals. That's that's my question exactly. Just listening to you is, you know, what should auditors do to help themselves upskill and be ready when their organization starts, you know, digging into this blockchain or their own cryptocurrency or or whatever it is? Yeah. Well, um, Tracy, my personal philosophy is like kind of a kind of a judgmental statement here, but like if you can't whiteboard it, you don't get it. And so I love hands-on training. And let me just kind of describe this. Like the best thing, here's the path that I took to learning about this. Step one, get a digital wallet. Step two, buy cryptocurrency. Step three, become a millionaire. No, I'm kidding about step three. I'm kidding about step three. But I just think um, just doing step one, okay, I'm going to enter the ecosystem and I'm going to get myself a wallet and I'm going to transact on the blockchain. And I need something like $5. Yeah. You know, I'm not talking like you're not trying to, you know, become a crypto investor, but I just think, okay, I'm on it. Now I understand I have a public key and I have a private key. Now I'm going to trade with somebody. Now are they uh, on the same blockchain as me or a different? It's like just that first little inflection point, that spark to go, okay, I'm going to enter this and learn about it firsthand. It just like um, unwraps the next challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge. And I think as auditors, Seeing it firsthand and interacting with it is the best way to learn. What I described costs you an hour and five dollars, hour and one dollar. I mean, it's not an, an, an you know it's not an expensive investment, but I think it starts to let you see the ecosystem, understand the questions, and then if you want to go crazy about it, I mean, there's whole. Um, I'm, I'm a certified cryptocurrency auditor, 
there's whole coursework and certifications behind it. My partner, um, Keila, who's, at, who's on the call here, she's built her own blockchain and tokenized the coins. Like you can go crazy on it. But I think that's what I would encourage all auditors to do. Like if you don't have a digital wallet yet, get one. It's free. If you haven't sent or received or tried to buy a good with, with crypto, do it. Try to find where you can buy a cup of coffee or a beer with crypto. It's not easy because, you know, it's, it's not everywhere. But that's, that's what I would just, I would urge. And I'd say that about anything. Um, if you're doing an identity and access management audit, okay, go out and use something like 1Password uh, so that you can see um, how, how do enterprise-grade identity systems work at a consumer level and repeat that for any topic that you're interested in. I like that advice so yeah. much. I had a, a history professor, and I don't know why he told us this, but he's like, if you want to learn about the stock market, take 20 bucks, throw it in the stock market. And he's like, you will watch that thing every single day. Um, and it starts to make a little bit more sense. So I really like that. Uh, you mentioned, so uh, steps that you mentioned, get a digital wallet and then basically buy and trade some coins. What would be a digital wallet that you would recommend one or two or, or three? So people yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, I think uh, just do what the mass market is doing at this point. So the exact path I would follow is uh, Coinbase. Yep. Um, it's mm -hmm. a centralized regulated exchange. Again, in terms of learning for auditors, what you'll find is you'll sign up and then you'll be presented with know your customer any money laundering controls. So you'll have to take a picture of your driver's license. Yeah. Um, then you'll have to connect your bank account. Um, and uh, then you'll find when you try to buy $5 of crypto, your debit card will get declined. But you'll sort of see... <laughs> no, uh, you're just you'll, telling my experience entirely. You know, that's that's like, I, I think, um, again, part of seeing it firsthand is the friction. And as, as control-oriented professionals, we understand why these things are in place. But I think, Trent, that'd be my advice, is just go to the, to the biggest centralized regulated crypto exchange, get yourself a wallet, put a little money in there, transact. And like you said, with your history prof on learning about the stock market, and that's me every day. I'm like, okay, how's Ethereum? Yeah. How's Ethereum? How's Ethereum? Uh, and then you start to see what the environment is like. Yeah. All right, stick around to the end. I got to ask you a question about Litecoin. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so so it, it seems like if, if, without trying to predict the future, but it seems like maybe Web 3.0 is where auditors maybe might be more involved as opposed to a crypto, especially if you're outside of financial services. Is that accurate? And if so, um, I know you can't say, you know, in exactly six months, this is when it's going to hit, but where's, when is that trending towards being the more predominant way? Yeah. So I think like, let, let's separate for a second. Like let's set, set aside crypto for a second and talk about blockchain in the Perfect. context of Web3. And so I think for most people, we're not going to find ourselves on audit engagement with hedge funds in, in large global financial institutions where we need to do deep audit on the crypto value of the blockchain. But I think most of us in most organizations in three years, five years, pick your time horizon, will find that there's a private permission blockchain that's powering some degree of a business process that has multiple different providers. And so if I go back to the way I started this call, you know, I was working at an insurance company. There's a subfield of insurance called subrogation. That's where if you and me, Trent, unfortunately get in a car accident, you know, our, our insurers come and help us, you know, they make us whole, they indemnify us for the, for the payments. But then they determine fault. And then they go to each other and say, hey, actually, it was, it was, it was Kyle that was 70% at fault. So you owe me, you know, 70% of the total cost here. And my point is, that's a multi-billion dollar industry globally 
And so the insurer found themselves, you know, um, exchanging paper checks with other insurers, uh, tens of thousands of them. And so what like a perfect use case for the blockchain to go, let's put, let's put these transactions on the blockchain. Let's true up with each other quarterly rather than all the cutting all these checks. But the reason I say that use case is that can apply to any kind of industry, any kind of accounts receivable or accounts payable. And so I think in the context of Web3, you're going to find a lot more blockchain implementations that are private. So it's not Bitcoin. You know, you need to be an employee at the company to use it. But that's where I think the value is for auditors is start with the blockchain and understand how that concept of the immutable, distributed, persistent ledger works in different business applications. And then what we find in Web3, that's that's the concept powering the idea of Web3, which is instead of us going out to YouTube, let's pick an example here, and Google, who owns YouTube, has, and this would be horribly embarrassing for me, all the list of all the videos I've watched since I was, you know, uh, you know, YouTube came out, what, like uh, 2002, 2001. Um, you can understand why, why consumers are uncomfortable with that. And so the idea of Web3 is if you can decentralize the web infrastructure across a blockchain, then you're able to consume and create content, and you're able to do it in a way that does not sort of disclose so much about you personally, and it becomes a lot harder for you to track somebody's habits across all of these different sites over time. And so I, it's, a, it's a long sort of journey there, but I say like cut out, cut out the crypto element for a second and just go, the blockchain really is a technology, I think, that is going revolutionize, to revolutionize the internet. That's how we've already got the term Web3. And we're probably less than 1% or 2% of what it will be. Um, my partner, Keila, shared a great report, I think it was from Andreessen Horowitz, where they tracked the adoption of technologies like Web1 and um, cable internet and, um, you know, I don't even remember, like, like radio adoption, like it tracked yeah. all these consumer grade trends. And if you look at blockchain, it's your traditional life cycle being adopted faster at broader scale than cell phones, faster, broader scale than web, faster, broader scale than broadband. And so I think it's just like, okay, it's coming guys. Mm-hmm. It's coming. It might take another five or 10 years, but it's coming. And so I think broaders, that's what I would encourage is understand the technology in the context of your business. And uh, spend the cycles to learn firsthand what it means and what it could mean. Okay. Trace, I know we had a question. Did you want to hit on that? Uh, question from the chat. Yeah, from Hal. Yeah, from Hal said, um, back to crypto. Are there countries that are farther along on the adoption of crypto than others in terms of a more generalized payment option? And I think Darren mentioned Venezuela. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in the U.S., I'll answer this sort of like, you know, local and then out, you know, for example, less than 1% of restaurants accept cryptocurrency payment. And there was a sort of a, like a big, I'm going to quote, like a big announcement that Chipotle is going to accept crypto. Um, and that's pretty exciting for me, but I went into their app and I tried to buy it and it's not rolled out everywhere yet. But how to answer that question directly, um, regulations tend to be country by country. And you have some countries that are extremely restrictive, China, for example, and you have some countries that are extremely open. And so the, the countries that I would say where there's the most amount of blockchain and crypto activity right now would be like um, South Korea, Singapore, Japan, Hong Kong. Um, the U.S. is obviously up there. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, you've got uh, 
you've definitely got some regulators. And I think um, entire countries, for example, that see its potential, see its, its potential as a centralized currency. And so, yeah, you've definitely got some thought leaders. You've got some folks that are staying away from it. And then you've got other countries that are, um, I put this like the UK in this mix where like regulations are really, really ramping up. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the main challenges, I think, to like broad scale global adoption is it still facilitates anonymous or pseudonymous uh, current um, commerce, which leads to nefarious activity, which means a lot of regulators are trying to establish clarity on what's allowed, what's not allowed, what controls need to be in place. And I think more forward thinking countries, obviously, you're seeing a lot more uptick, but it's really regulated country by country. And the, the list that I gave, I think, um, would be the front runners globally where we see the most amount of activity. And we had someone on, this is a while ago when we were still in Clubhouse, uh, where we talked about the blockchain. And I feel like we talked about Estonia, maybe, as, uh, I, yeah. So I think all their citizens, like their social security numbers are on the blockchain. Is that, does that sound right? I'm not sure about that particular use case, but yeah, we put Estonia in the category of okay. um, forward thinking. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what it was. That was the case. Um, and so then last week we were talking, I think it was last week, ESG. Mm -hmm. And I know I've seen where, and please like tell tell me how, if this is legit or not, um, energy consumption relative to blockchain and it requires all this energy yeah. and it's horrible for the environment and it costs this much yeah. to create, you know, this little thing and with ESG kind of, Coming up as well, do you do you foresee like ESG being a deterrent uh, or, or or not really letting blockchain take off? Yeah, so um, uh, I think it's an issue right at the heart of the technology right now. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have this fact right, but obviously you know the listeners can double check me on this. I believe I saw recently that um, the blockchains uh, across the world already consume on an annualized basis more energy than the entire country of Switzerland. And so what you're talking about, Trent, is the idea of if all the nodes on a blockchain are revalidating every node forever to add a new block, then you do have, I'll offer my personal opinion on this, you do have a gross like waste of energy. Mm -hmm. And I think if you, if you break that down, um, let me first talk about the tech and then I'll sort of talk about the ESG impacts to it. So the tech is designed in such a way that no matter how many nodes that you have doing consensus to add the next block, that the level of difficulty grows linearly. Mm -hmm. So if you, me, and Tracy are doing our own blockchain, let's say it takes 10 minutes of computing power to add the block. But now let's say there's 300 million participants, it still takes 10 minutes to add a block. And so what's happening behind the scenes is there's an arbitrary level of difficulty that increases the more nodes that you get on the, on the block. And the reason for that is in order for the consensus mechanism to still work at scale, all of these computers are trying to solve an algorithm. It's called solving the nonce. Now, there, there are good reasons that that's done. That entire sort of ecosystem is called proof of work. And it's incredibly wasteful. So say, say some, some of my opinions of it. You're validating everything that's ever lived on the blockchain for forever. And I'm guilty of like back in 2018, I spent, I did what we talked about, like creating a visual wallet. I spent one dollar to somebody. Uh, and now it's like that's gonna persist forever. Mm. And every node is gonna revalidate that transaction forever. Mm. So my point though is that you're gonna see a lot of 
innovation in the space, one of the fundamental innovations is something called proof of stake, which means that you don't have to revalidate every single node, that you have people that have more credibility on the chain because they can show their tenure on the chain. And the idea is it can cut energy consumption um, like by like significantly cut it, a fraction. Proof of stake is a fraction of the energy consumption of proof of work. And one of the biggest innovations that you see right now is taking place in Ethereum, where they've run a, Ethereum has typically been a proof of work uh, blockchain. There's something called Ethereum 2, which is proof of stake. And there's something called the, the merge, uh, which is coming August or September. Like we'll, we'll see when the community decides to do it, but it's to cut over proof of work to proof of stake. And the idea is to cut the energy consumption down. The technical trade-offs on how much of the network do you need to control to be able to poison the blockchain, to change something in the past is relatively minor. It's like proof of work, you have to control 51% and proof of stake, you have to control 49%. Um, I might be off just one or two percentage of those, but in my opinion, the trade-offs are totally worth it. You're gonna see, I think so much innovation uh, continue on proof of stake and to get ESG and energy consumption down because I think most people shrug their shoulders and acknowledge there's no need to revalidate, in most cases, to revalidate something from 2018, that's yeah. silly. And so um, you have, of course, really big energy consumers like Bitcoin that will probably persist until the Bitcoin supply runs out. That's 21 million Bitcoin. It's projected to be like 2040. And then you're going to see a lot of other coins have incredible innovation to get the energy consumption down without losing the value proposition of why a blockchain exists. Interesting. Yeah, now I'm curious if people are going to invest in a given one if they are more um, energy conservative than another one with the way ESG is going. Um, I think of it probably, I think for some people, yes. For me personally, like I'm very excited about the Ethereum chain because I think this is a needed innovation for the reasons you just described. But Ethereum is also powering the NFT marketplace largely. And so a place for creators to build and, you know, uh, create art in the same kind of way. Um, that's the one I'm, I'm personally excited about. I, you know, that's where I've got some investment in. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens at the end of the summer when they do the, the big merge. Can I ask a quick question? I know we're running up against time, but, um, you know, it's, it's so different around the world in terms of regulation. How does an auditor actually find and deal with the right regulations when they're looking at blockchain? Uh, I think it's still it's still context specific, Tracy. So uh, I'm in a certain country. I, I guess I, I don't think of it as maybe necessarily unique to blockchain. I think all compliance pros have that same kind of question, which is like, what is my authoritative source? Um, what is my risk assessment? What are my deployed controls? And I think if you just even picked in the U.S., your basic securities, okay, I've got the SEC, okay, I've got the OCC. I think that's a hard question to answer that I can't give you a simple direct yeah. Go to this, maybe somebody else can go to this website. Here's all the crypto regulators by jurisdiction, what they care about. I think that's one of the fundamental challenges in compliance period, whether it's blockchain or not. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about all the clients that I have that are global, right? And they have operations all around the world. And what do they do then? I, I did want to get to, and I think I'm going to start referring to Hal as like our co-host in the background because he always brings <laughs> a really good question every time. Yes, great uh, questions. So, so we'll... We'll uh, close with this being the last question anyway, and then we can start to wrap things up. But uh, Hal asks, what's the best question an auditor can ask right now if their organization has adopted blockchain, blockchain technology? Oh, my gosh. Great question. Yeah. 
I don't know that I, I, I want to answer it with what question they can ask. Maybe, maybe I would. I, like if, if I'm in the scenario that we just described at the beginning of the call, the very thing, first thing I want to ask as an auditor is, can I see that last audit report? Can I see the list of controls? Um, can I see the control tests? I think as auditors, we learn best by seeing the previous work papers and what went into the audit. Yeah, Darren, that's great. Show me the risk assessment. Like, I, I, I think that that is so fun mm. to have the opportunity. I guess maybe I'll close that. Like, my, maybe my closing comments would be back to what you asked earlier, Trent. Like, why should an auditor learn about this? I think you're more marketable. I think you're more credible. I think you can expand your own opportunities by always paying attention to new trends, not chasing the shiny objects. I don't mean that, but major um, tides that are going to change technology. If you can demonstrate competence and have a firsthand experience at it, why would you not do everything in your power as auditors to give yourselves the most kind of opportunities? In mm -hmm. auditors, I always think auditors are so good at rapid learning, sometimes being a dog with a bone, not giving up. Like the mentality of an auditor, man, apply that to your own career, apply it to your own learning, and you're never going to find yourself thinking, what's next? You're always going to have opportunities available to you. And I think that's maybe uh, what, what I would, would love to close with is just the enthusiasm we see auditors apply on their engagements. Man, apply it to your own career and go for it. This stuff is accessible. It's essentially freely available. Get out there and learn and find a way to add value to your organization. Awesome. I will give you, um, here at the end, I'll give you a minute to kind of tell us where to find you, website, Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. Oh, um, cool. And I also want you to mention the um, Python for Auditors course. I think it's very important. Uh, I want to get a yeah. link to that and I'll put it in the, be sure to put it in the show notes because I think it's very important. But um, just to wrap up on my end, again, this is the audit room. We're live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Join us live, please, to ask your questions in the chat so that we can get, um, it just, to me, it makes the show better and it makes less work for me and Tracy if we have to like how to ask questions. I don't need not to do anything. Uh, so anyway, that's it for me. Tracy, I'll throw it to you. Kyle, you can uh, close us out. Tell us where to find you, what you're working on, and especially the Python course for auditors. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I want to thank Kyle for coming and joining us as our guest speaker and our audience members for coming and asking the great questions and for giving feedback as well. I encourage everyone to make sure they've connected with Trent and Kyle and I on LinkedIn. Um, Trent, do you have a quick update on our podcast? It is live, or not live, but it is launched. So the last, uh, we launched with three episodes last week, and then we'll continue uh, to publish an episode every week going forward. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much. And Kyle, I'll hand it to you for the last word. Yeah. Um, thanks so much, uh, Tracy and Trent. Thanks for having me. Loved it. Uh, thanks to our audience for the questions as well. Um, you can find uh, me at decise.io. Uh, our mission at Decise, as I said in the opening, we want to create a safe and competent ecosystem for blockchain and crypto firms and for consumers. And, um, you know, we do work at the intersection of audit, compliance, technology, and Web3. Trent, to your earlier comment, um, uh, happy to share that link. I run a masterclass uh, to teach auditors Python. So uh, level up your technical skills, be able to automate more, be able to test more at scale. And so uh, decise.thinkific.com, I'll send that to your turn and use the code data50 to save 50% on that course. And um, just really appreciate being with you guys today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you.